Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, I thank you for your grace and your presence. Lord, you are the teacher. Jesus, will you teach us your word? Holy Spirit, will you apply it to our hearts and lives? Give us revelation and understanding of what you've said and what you've done. And Lord, because we've been in your word, Lord, allow the word to permeate our hearts and lives and to change us. Lord, I pray for grace to teach, and we as a family pray for grace to hear, to apply, to learn, and Lord, to be challenged by your word. Bless us, we pray now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last uh, yesterday, Pastor Ben was teaching out of chapter 21 and just teaching through the final travels of Paul as an apostle to the Gentiles as he was just ministering to the church to the church and how he had some prophetic visions that were showing him what would be in the future. Ultimately, as we remember the book of Acts, the book of Acts is just talking about the birthing of the church, and the church was birthed on the day of Pentecost as the Spirit of God was just poured out on the people. And then it was through that process that the Word says, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth. And we've discussed the fact that most of the apostles are not mentioned by name in the book of Acts because they were busy complying with Jesus's command and they went to the ends of the earth. The book of Acts is basically focused on two apostles. It's focused on Peter. It's focused on Paul. And then we have, of course, John the apostle, the beloved, that's mentioned as well. And the story is just the progressive work from Jerusalem throughout the world with the work of the gospel. And then the book of Acts is going to end with Paul's life as Paul is taken prisoner and Paul is going to Rome. And it was his heart's desire to take the gospel to Rome. And then, of course, he wanted to go to Spain. Tradition says that he actually was able to accomplish that. So the story line as we go from chapter 21 through chapter 28 is focused on Paul's arrest, his imprisonment, but in that, that he is taking the gospel to Rome to be a witness to the leadership of the Roman government. So as we begin, we're just remembering where Pastor Ben left us off And Pastor Ben left us off in the aspect of just the prophecy that Paul had received from Agabus. And Agabus had uh, taken Paul's belt and bound his hands and feet and said that so would be the Jew that owned this belt, that he would be bound by the Jews and handed over to the Gentiles. And so with that, Paul just says, stop crying over me. Jesus has made his will apparent to me. I understand what he wants me to do. I'm going to Jerusalem. And so they all were like, okay, the Lord's will be done. And Paul the apostle knew that the Lord had a plan for this. And so as he went into Jerusalem, he gave testimony to the leaders that all that God had done through his ministry and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there was much rejoicing. And so they gave him some advice that he would just carry out the vows of the Nazarite 
and that he would go to the temple and purify himself. And the whole focus of this was to show the Jews that he was still living as a Jew because he had a reputation of rejecting Judaism, which he never did, but he was the minister or the apostle to the Gentiles. And so as Paul is in the temple performing the service and the sacrifice that was required by the vow of the Nazarite, he's seen by the Jews of Asia. And as the Jews of Asia see him, of course, they just send the place into chaos and there's an eruption and they grab him They drag him out of the temple, supposing that he had brought Gentiles in there as well, which was prohibited by the law, and those people could be put to death. And once they close the gates and the doors of the temple, then they just proceed to beat him. And the goal was to kill Paul. And the goal was to kill Paul because they felt like he was perverting Judaism and drawing people's hearts away from that. And again, drawing even the proselytes away from that. So as Paul is being beaten, uh, the Roman commander becomes aware of this great disturbance. Nobody could have missed it. And so he runs into the midst and finds out that they're beating Paul. And at that point, he rescues him from the Jews. They stop beating him. He binds him with two chains. And then the word says that the soldiers carry him up the stairs of the barracks, which is just the fortress that was connected to the temple. They had a fortress connected to the temple because the Jews were known for the revolts. And so they were close to stop the revolts that usually started within the temple grounds. And so Paul is being carried up to that. And as he's being carried up, he speaks to the commander in Greek and he asks, and the commander's like, you're speaking to me in Greek. You're not an Egyptian. Paul says, nope, I'm not. I'm a Roman citizen. And um, Paul uh, asked for permission to speak to the Jews. And so it's at this point that chapter 22 starts with Paul. He's going to address the Jewish people in his native language, which is Hebrew. And Hebrew was not spoken much, but it was definitely spoken by the religious leaders, the Pharisees and that. The typical language for the Jews was Aramaic at this point. Um, But he's going to adjust the crowd. And so as he uh, addresses the crowd, I just want you to notice something. That Paul's goal in his life was that he was wanted to bring the gospel to Rome. And this was going to be the path to bring about that heart's desire. As I was reading this, I just wanted to say, be careful what you pray for. You don't know how it's going to happen. And again, Matthew chapter 10, verse 18 says that you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake, to bring witness to the gospel because Jesus wants all men to be saved. So Paul is in this. And as we prepare to read the scripture, I want to remind you of Paul's heart. Why is Paul speaking to the Jews? The Jews were a constant problem to him, always oppressing him, chasing him from city to city throughout Asia and rejecting and confounding that which he was speaking to other people. And so Paul stops as he's being arrested and says, no, before you take me in, I want to speak to my people. And he's granted permission. Obviously, this is the Lord. Remember that the Jews had just beaten him severely, and he was rescued by the Romans. They were trying to kill him. 
Paul was wanting to speak not to defend himself, but Paul wanted to do anything that he could do to see his people saved. He had such a heart for the Jewish people. The book of Romans chapter 9, I believe, is a chapter that just in 10 speaks of his heart for his own people. He said he willed that himself be accursed for the sake of his people that they would know Jesus. And so his heart was to show his people all that God has said and done through his life, how God had transformed his life, and that Jesus was truly their Messiah. This was his heart. And so Paul is going to begin to just give testimony about his past. So let's uh, read verses 1 to 5 together in chapter 22 of the book of Acts. And the word says, Brethren and fathers, notice the address, address of respect and address of that they're his family, they're his community. Hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city. He's saying, I was raised in Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of the fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are all today. I persecuted the way, the church, to death, the followers of Jesus, binding them and putting both men and women into prison, and also the high priest and all of the council and elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. And it was common to bring people that had not lived by the law in Judaism into the uh, synagogues, and there there was a person that would actually beat them with rods. They would be punished for their unbelief or thrown into prison. So it's this that Paul begins to tell of his past and who he was. He claims sincerity, He claims a true zeal for God and declares that he was raised as a Jew in Jerusalem. And really, in essence, he's saying that he was raised as a Pharisee. And he's saying he was a Jew that was taught the very strict interpretation of the law. And as a Pharisee, the Pharisees believed in not only the Torah, they supported the Torah, but they also believed in the oral traditions that were passed down from the elders, and they used the prophetic writings as well. And as a Pharisee, they used human reason to interpret the law and the oral traditions to apply them to contemporary issues. Remember, Jesus said your human traditions, your oral traditions. He was addressing specifically the Pharisees because that was their system of belief that they had. And they had a real zeal for the law and believed that as all the people of Israel lived by their traditions in purity, then the Messiah would come. But they did not acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah because if they would have acknowledged that, Jesus did not come as the conquering king that the scripture declared. 
but they didn't understand the mission of suffering servant. And after the servant had suffered, died, and rose again from the dead, he would come back as the conquering king. They were wanting a political leader that would destroy Rome and make them the key nation and have the other nations to be subservient to them. That's what they were looking for, and that's why Jesus didn't fit the criteria. And so Paul is telling of the zeal that he had, and he says that he was raised with Gamaliel, the elder, a highly respected rabbani. He was a key rabbi in the Jewish people, and we see him in the book of Acts chapter 5, in essence defending the mission of the apostles some and asking the council to be careful not to put them to death. Um, He was Paul's mentor. He was well known throughout the scripture. Uh, He was well known for his allegiance to the law and to the oral tradition. So Paul's saying he was educated well. And he goes on to say that he had persecuted the church in his zeal. He had tried to destroy the way. Jesus, in his mind, was a condemned criminal that had died on the cross, a Roman cross, and he should not be followed. So he was doing everything that he could do to destroy the teachings of Jesus and to remove the followers of Jesus from having any influence at all. And he was hunting them down, killing them, throwing them into prison, and he claims that he was a witness as Stephen was being stoned. And he says here that Caiaphas, the high priest, can testify to the zeal that I had and to the mission that I had. The key here that he's presenting to them in verses 1 to 5, that he had not turned his back away from Judaism or from the Lord at all, but he had followed his fathers faithfully in their faith. Let's go on in our study and let's look at verses 6 and 7. And the scripture says in verses 6, But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, that a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so Paul talks about his conversion and why his message had changed and why he had became a follower of Jesus and carried out the mission as an apostle. And he was saying that he was heading to, per, uh, to Damascus to persecute the church, to bring prisoners back to Jerusalem for punishment. And he says, all of a sudden, this bright light flashed around me. And he says, a bright light, that's the Shekinah glory of the presence of the Lord. It is that which John the Apostle sees in the book of Revelation as he comes face to face with Jesus. And then he says, the Lord said to him, Saul, why are you hunting me down? How was Saul hunting him down? by persecuting the followers of Jesus. And Paul's reply was like, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Jesus reveals himself to Paul. And he says, as a witness again, (laughs) ask the people around me. He says that they saw the heavenly light and they heard the voice even though they didn't understand it. Again, he has appealed to the witness of the high priest of his zeal and the mission that he was carrying out for him, and he's also appealing to the 
people that were with him to carry out this mission as to the confrontation that he had with Jesus. And then he's going to go on and share his response to that encounter with Jesus in verses 8 through 16. And the scripture says, And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there it will be told to you of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand to those who were with me and came into Damascus. And a certain Ananias, a man of whom is devout by the standard of the law, he was a Jew, and well spoken of by the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing near me and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. And he said, The God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness of him to all men of what you have seen and what you have heard. Notice the commission here. And now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And we hear that as Paul was baptized, he also was filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul shares his response to this confrontation or this encounter with the living Jesus as he was heading to Damascus. And the question is, what shall I do, Lord? And the command of the Lord was that he was to go into the city of Damascus and to wait because God would tell him what to do. And so as a result, Ananias, a Jew of high standing, prayed for him and was regarded in the sight of all Jews to be one who lived according to the law. He was a convert to Jesus, but he still lived as a Jew, and he was a witness to, again, all that God was doing in Paul's life. In essence, he's saying, again, you can ask him. And then um, as a result, uh, Jesus appeared to him, he heard the voice, he was commissioned by him to be a witness of all men, not just to the Jewish people, but remember as we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the remotest parts of the earth to all men. Because the word tells us that God wills that none perish, but all who are saved and come to the knowledge of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And then he was baptized and he called on the name of the Lord. Paul began to call on him, filled with the Holy Spirit, and God was speaking direction to him. As we continue in our study, we're going to talk about the vision that Paul had in the temple under the direction of Jesus. So let's read verses 17 and 18 together. And the scripture says, And it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. And I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. 
Again, Jesus is speaking to the apostle and he's giving them direction to protect him and protect the ministry that he had already declared to him that he was going to be a witness to all men. And so Paul shares it that while he was in the temple, Jesus told him to leave Jerusalem quickly because the people would not receive the testimony that he had about Jesus. And Paul, again, remember the zeal that he had for the Lord as a persecutor of the church. Now all of a sudden he's met Jesus, his life has been transformed. That should be a witness to all. The reality of Jesus' family is seen in the fact that God transforms lives and Jesus has transformed you and I as he's encountered our life and changed us. And Paul thinks that this is going to be enough. So as the Lord has given him a command, Paul is going to have a rebuttal to the Lord. And that's seen in verses 19 through 21. Let's go on and read the scripture. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and to beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. This is the final direction and commission of Paul that Paul calls himself an, a, an apostle to the Gentiles. And as an apostle to the Gentiles, the Lord is commissioning, saying, leave Jerusalem and go and carry out the mission that I've had. So Paul is saying again that the testimony of his life is that he aggressively assertively tried to destroy and oppose Christianity, but in that he's saying they should believe because of the transformation of my life that this which I'm saying is true. The idea is because of his reputation as oppressor that they would listen to him. Paul wanted to stay because he was trying to convert them. But Jesus tells him to go far away and send him to the Gentiles. I want you to notice something as we look at Paul. I want you to notice the integrity of his life. Paul was extremely zealous for God, and he tried to be faithful in all he did for the Lord. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Even though I formerly was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. All that he had done against the church of Jesus Christ was he was trying to protect the purity of the Jewish religion, the Jewish people. He wanted to see the fulfillment of the Messianic promises. And so he did all that he could to protect that. And Jesus realized that it was his unbelief and that he didn't understand the truth. But Paul was a person of zeal. May that zealousness, may that zeal and integrity be a part of your and my life as we follow Jesus, that we do it with our whole heart, that we have passion for him, and that the love of Christ compels us to do the same things that Jesus did. So the Jews now are going to respond to his message. They had listened to him and put up with his message until he said one word, Gentiles. And the Gentiles in the Jewish language was the other peoples, the goyim, 
And really, it was the dogs. It was a, a, a term of di- a discrimination against the other people, a term of hatred that was there. And so as he says this, the crowd goes ballistic. Let's look at the Jews' response to Paul's message in verses 22 and 23. And the scripture says, They listened to him up to this statement, and then they raised their voices, they shouted a lot, and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, (laughs) for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were crying out and throwing off their coats and tossing dust into the air. So they began to just make this great scene. They wanted to kill Paul. They didn't want to listen to him. And the statement, again, that they made was away from this fellow from the earth. He should not be allowed to live. And then it says that they were throwing dust. To throw dust in the air, it's, it's uh, in that culture, it was a sign of anger. It was a sign of rejection that was there, just distraught. They were throwing that. They were making a scene. And then it says they were removing their coats or tearing their coats. And to tear the coat or remove the coat was that which was done when they heard blasphemy. So they're saying the statement that he made that he was called to the Gentiles is blasphemy. That would never be the will of God. And it was a sign also that they were preparing to stone Paul. You would remove the coat before you stoned a person. We see that with the death of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. So I want you to notice the Jewish mindset of ministering to the Gentiles. Basically, it was not. They did proselyte some Gentiles, but they had to become twice as much the Jew as they themselves were. So their response was one of prejudice and pride. They were the key nation. They were God's special people, and there was no other. And their view of themselves was the peculiar elect people of God. But God had no other people that they loved. Only Jews would be saved. And they believed that God had no concern for the Gentile nations, except that he would destroy them if they stood in the way of his people. In other words, their view was they were to be subservient and serve the Jewish people, but God had no concern or care for them. There was no eternity from them. This was a blindness to God's heart. Let us remember what God said to Abraham as he called Abraham to be the founder of the Jewish nation. He said in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The Jewish nation was preserved and raised to be the line of the Messiah, to be the people that understand the depth and the truth of the word of God, and to be able to share that evangelistically with the world around them. But what they did was they became the people of God and they focused on themselves instead of focusing on the mission of God. And we as a church need to remember what our mission is, that Northwest Church is on mission with Jesus to see the lost saved and disciples made. Their heart was not that way. They were religious and they were blind to the truth of what God had called them to be. Let's go on in our study as we look at Paul's seizure and arrest, and Paul is going to be taken to be examined by the Romans. And this was typical of their culture of what they would do. Let's read verses 24 through 29. 
and the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him in that way. But when they stretched him out with the thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, saying, What are you about to do? This man is a Roman. And a commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. And the commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. What it probably was was a bribe to the emperor that was just before the present emperor paid a lot of money to buy citizenship. And he had to be a citizen to be uh, a centurion. He could not be one without that or be in the Roman army without that. And Paul said, but I actually was born a citizen. Therefore, those who were about to examine him immediately let him go. And the commander was afraid when he found out that he was a Roman because he had put him in chains. To put him in chains was unlawful. So Paul is uh, taken to be examined. This was normal for the Romans to do. Um, they would stretch people out um, in thongs. When they scored somebody, either they would lay them on a floor and tie their hands out and their feet out to keep them bound to afflict the maximum amount of pain uh, on their back and their body as they scourged them, or there was a post that they had, and the post would probably be about a foot and a half wide and probably be uh, at least a foot deep, and they would tie a person around them. And the word was saying as they were stretching Paul out, they would bind them to just inflict the maximum amount of pain. And when they scourged people, it wasn't just a whip, but it was more like a cat of nine tails. It was fairly short, but it had stone, it had hooks, it had bits of metal, um, that were embedded in them. And the Roman way of extracting information or to find out if somebody that was not a Roman was telling the truth was just to beat the truth out of them. And they figured by the suffering that truth would come through. Often when people were scourged, they were actually killed by the scourging. It was the same type of scourging that our Lord Jesus went through for us that he was just beaten to a pulp. It says that he was beaten just no man could even recognize him. So it was that aspect of torture that they were about to do to Paul. And so Paul is being stretched out. And as he's being stretched out to go through this, he knew what was coming. He had an understanding of the culture of the day. He says, is it lawful for you to do this to a Roman because it was illegal to scourge or to chain an uncondemned Roman. They were treated differently. Even at Paul's death, Paul was beheaded because he was a Roman. He was not affixed to a cross or crucified because of that. There was a different approach uh, to Roman citizens than there was to the rest of the world around them. And so Paul claims his citizenship and Paul states that he didn't buy his citizenship, but that he was actually born a citizen. And some scholars say that there was more prestige to be born a citizen because it can't, meant that you came from an influential family. 
and they had great influence. And that was probably part of the fear in the commander in the sense that he was doing something that he would be held accountable for by an influential family. And so at this point, he has the discussion talking about bribing or buying his citizenship, and Paul declares that he's been from birth a citizen. And it was peculiar for a Jew to be a citizen. And so, again, some scholars look at this and say, okay, why did Paul wait? Probably waited for the effect because it had a greater effect um, to be able to witness to those who were about to punish him as well. Um, but um, it could, it was a timing thing that was there. But some ask, well, why didn't Paul just go through the suffering? Remember, he had just been beaten to a pulp. Remember that he had been shipwrecked. Remember that he had been stoned to death and raised from that. Paul had already gone through a lot of suffering for the sake of the gospel. But this suffering that he was about to go through was needless. There was no reason for this. There was no redemptive aspect to this. And so Paul simply, again, states his rights as a citizen. As he states his right as a citizen, the suffering is stopped. The scourging is stopped. We're not told if the chains were removed here, but it says later that the chains were removed from him, and he was just kept in house arrest through this. And I want you to see something, that note that the response, should he suffer needlessly, the answer is no. Should you and I suffer needlessly, the answer is no. Martyrdom was only of value if it cannot be avoided. And in the early church, there were people that were seeking to be martyrs because they thought that it was a higher plane, more pleasing to God. And so they did all that they could do to be martyred. But the true person that was martyred was one that they believed in the early church that was selected to be a witness. The word martyr means witness. That was be selected to be a witness unto death. And because of that, God's grace was on them. They looked down on people that sought to be martyred, that sought to suffer for their faith, but believed those that were chosen by God to suffer for their faith were the ones that were selected to that. So you and I should not seek to stir people up so that we're oppressed or that we're punished for the gospel. But if this does come about, then there is a grace of the Holy Spirit to carry us through this time. Paul did not seek to be a martyr, even though yet he knew that someday he would give his life for Jesus in that. And you and I, too, we have to always know that that is a possibility but it is not something that we seek. Jesus said, when you see these things coming, flee to the mountains and pray that it's not in winter. So you and I should always be aware that this might be a path, but if it is, the Lord will meet us and carry us through that time. But it is not something that is to be sought out. As we apply what we've read today, let's look at some observations from our text. First, Notice Paul was missional, <laughs> and I pull this out of a simple statement that sp Paul spoke to the Greek, to the commander in Greek. He used his language. He communicated with him in a way that he would know. This wasn't a sense of pride or anything like that. It was just in a way of gracious communication with them. And that is, Paul spoke to the Jews. Notice that he spoke to them in their Hebrew dialect. 
Maybe it was Aramaic, but it was probably Hebrew that he used. It was the law that was the language of the religious elite that were there. He was building a cultural bridge. And the question that I have, do we make other cultures feel welcome and important? Or do we try to make those cultures adapt to who we are? You see, to be missional means that you and I adapt to the people that God sends us to. We embrace them, their customs and that. The goal is to bring the truth of Jesus to their lives and to be able to apply that to their culture in such a way that they understand. In essence, we embrace the differences that God has made for each of us as individual people. Paul was very missional. He understood how to live as a Jew, but he also understood how to bring the gospel to the Gentile world in such a way to the point that he even changed his name from Saul to Paul, that he could embrace those people that Jesus loved. We're on mission for Jesus. Let's be missional in our mindset. Second, I want you to notice that Paul loved his people and was willing to endure hardship to see them safe. He never let his heart go hard over the people. Even all the rejection, all the punishment, all that they did, not only to disturb the gospel message and prevent it from being presented, but to hunt him down and to punish him for that. Um, He never rejected his people, but his heart was to the point that he would be cursed so that they would be saved. And the question that I have that it asks of me Do I have a heart to see those who reject me or those who disagree with me saved? Do I have a heart to see all people saved? And I think this is a deep question. We see that Paul, even through his suffering, still wanted to bring the gospel, the testimony of what Jesus had done in his life to those who were oppressing him so that they could see that truth in the same way that it was revealed to him as they encountered Jesus. Are we bringing people to encounter Jesus or do we take offense and refuse to speak to those who are different and reject us? Third, I want you to see that Paul used his personal testimony to introduce people to Jesus. He shared his encounter. It was a story that we read three times in the book of Acts of how Paul shares how Jesus encountered him to the road of Damascus, blinded him with the brilliance of his presence, spoke to his heart, and commissioned him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. He loved to tell the story of Jesus over and over again. And in my heart, do we remember the story of how Jesus encountered us and drew us to himself? And do we remember the key parts of our life of where Jesus has touched us, has changed us, has done a great work in us? And do we tell the story of Jesus to others? Do we regularly share with others who Jesus is and why he means so much to our life? That is such a key. The testimony of Jesus cannot be refuted. It is our personal account, our life history with the one who loves us. Let's give testimony to other people. The four things that I see is the Jews judged and condemned people not like them. They had no heart for the lost were for people that are different than themselves. And as I was studying this, I was just looking at current events of where we live. And this truth truth so deeply challenged me. 
Am I one that brings judgment and writes off people that think differently than I, the people that act like sinners? I have a dog, and the dog, no matter how much I educate that dog, the dog is still going to be a dog. And family, a sinner is going to be a sinner until Jesus transformed the heart and makes them a new creature. And it's so easy for us to get offended. It's so easy for us to write off the political situations that we have, to take our political stands, to take our stands on moral issues and that, and to reject the people that are different with us and don't know Jesus yet. But the hard thing that God wants us to do is to build the cultural bridge, to love those people with the truth to give testimony of who Jesus is and what he's done and allow the Spirit of God to manifest his grace in and through us. Family, as we're looking at the political world that we live in and as we're looking at current events with all the moral issues, there's one kingdom that we should be seeking. And Jesus says that the kingdom of God has come among you. And family, that kingdom is alive today in and through our lives as you and I live for Jesus, as you and I stand for who he is and share who he is, and as you and I share that compassion that he has. The word says that he set all who are oppressed by the devil free. That's in the book of Acts, chapter 10, verse 38. Are you and I living to see see people set free? Or are we living in judgment and no, have no heart for those who don't know Jesus yet? May our heart not be hard like the Jewish people. The last thing that the text has spoken to me is Paul did not bring suffering upon himself needlessly. He was careful in how he shared. He allowed the Holy Spirit to direct him as he shared the gospel, as he ministered, and he would share who Jesus is and what he'd done. He graciously used the rights that he had as a citizen to build bridges to draw people to Jesus instead of pushing Jesus away. He was a witness for the Lord. Again, as we look at this study, we're going to continue to see how Jesus used Paul to witness to governors and those people in authority as he carried the apostle to Rome to extend the truth of his word throughout the Roman Empire and to show that he was the Lord and Savior to the world. Family, may the Lord bless you this day. May our hearts be soft for Jesus. May we be a people that use the gospel to draw people to Jesus. May we allow people to be drawn to Jesus, and may we take people to Jesus as we serve him as a community. Let's remember to continue to pray together because we're praying strongholds down to see the salvation of our God. We are praying for revival, and we're praying for an awakening of the masses. And may the heart of Paul May the long-suffering of Paul, may the endurance of Paul be placed in our lives. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.